American United strives to serve those who serve. Ask them about their VA home loans, which offer up to 100% financing, often with no down payment required. Make an appointment to research your options. Learn more at amucu.org. Now is the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview rocket scientists, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. If you like what you hear, we're also going to be releasing exclusive bonus materials like PDF checklists, reports, and presentations, but only for members of the collective. If you're interested in those, as of this recording, you can still join for free on the Ideation Collective website, which is iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. Also, before getting rolling, we want to invite you to consider helping the charity our founders started called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the United States and abroad. One of our foreign projects we're working on right now is helping to build an aftercare orphanage in Cusco, Peru. To learn more about that, please come to the Child Rescue section on our website, iCollective.co slash Child Rescue. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Welcome to Ideation Collective. I'm Jess Larson. Today, we're going to be continuing with our Funding Lab mini-series with my co-host and securities lawyer, Josh Soloway. This week, um, we've been talking on our last episode with Carlos Cruz Abrams about Main Street Exchange and making the process easier to raise money specifically for the most common form of fundraising for entrepreneurs, which is Reg D offerings, whether that's a 506C or a 506B. Um, but Carlos, uh, just for anybody who needed a refresher from the last episode, can you give us just the, the elevator pitch on Main Street Exchange and then talk a bit about the ideal customer for you? Sure. Um, so Main Street Exchange is a single source end-to-end uh, web platform that guides companies through the fundraising process, making sure they're able to comply with the law, um, do their deal effectively, and keep their records all in order without really having to try doing so. Um, so who is our ideal customer? Uh, our ideal customer really is any company who is going out to raise a little bit of cash or a lot of cash. Um, you know, for us, what we realize is that companies, whether they've been through the process of fundraising before or whether they've never been through the fundraising process, most people still don't understand what's involved, how they do it, um, or what they need to know. And so, Really, as long as people have an open mind and want some empowerment in process, they want to be able to control um, communications to their investors, um, but at the same time not have it overtake their lives. That's my ideal customer. I don't necessarily want someone who wants to pay a lawyer, and these people actually exist, who wants to pay a lawyer to make everything just disappear um, and they don't mind paying, you know, tens of thousands of extra dollars to do that. I want people who say, I love my business. I love every aspect of my business. I know that I need to control that business and delegate where possible. And let me rely on a service that will help me do that well. Sure. Um, and I know we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, but um, as an entrepreneur, specifically, can we just cover, again, 
the reasons it would save me money to to do it this way through Main Street Exchange versus the old way? Yeah, um, for the most part, when people run financing processes the old way, um, they just end up relying on outside advisors like lawyers. Um, and I love lawyers. I'm a lawyer by training. I'm a lawyer by practice. Um, but they end up relying on them to run every single aspect of their fundraising process, both legal and non-legal. Um, but the big issue, of course, being that when you rely on a lawyer to do non-legal stuff, they still charge you the same legal rate. Um, so if you want to pay your lawyer to send out emails to potential investors and to organize answers with potential document with documents uh, to potential investors, and you want to set, have them sending out signature packets and collecting signature packets and doing the math to update your cap table, um, that's how you can spend a lot of extra money and, frankly, a lot of extra time in this process. Um, we've automated all of those non-legal as well as a lot of those quasi-legal pieces of this process so that you can still have a great lawyer and you can still have them negotiate your deal, um, but all of those other pieces get taken care of automatically for you. You know, that's, and, and that's a huge point that you just made there because – and I could as – again, as a lawyer, as a practicing attorney, I totally get what you're saying. I mean how often is it that clients – want to ask me questions or have me handle certain things. And I, I mean, I think for a lot of us, it's, it's for lawyers, it ends up being painful because you, you want to do right by your clients, right? So you want to tell them, Ooh, you know, you don't want to be evasive and not give answers when they're asking you for something non-legal. That's really a business decision. And it's all about trust and all that in a relationship, but you also don't want to, you know, for lawyers, your inventory is your time. And so there's a cost to that. So it's, it's really tricky, right? And it's painful for lawyers. So I, uh, any good lawyer should embrace this, right? That, right. that they, it's an opportunity to save their clients money. So again, I believe you said it in the last segment, was it seven to $15,000 on average that you're saving or what was the number? Yes. On average between 7,500 and $15,000 per fundraise, um, is what we find that companies are saving as they use the system as well as up to a month of time for the executives of the company. Um, so you know, if you think about that across every deal that's done every year, if we could save a month of time for everyone, it would be 10 million years worth of time. Or, sorry, 10,000 years worth of time across the $200 million worth of deals that happen in a year. So what kind of innovation happens in 10,000 years? It's it's pretty big. We're talking a lot of time gets saved. And, and, and exactly um, what is the kind of range of uh, fundraising or, or sort of capital raises that you expect to serve? Like what is the typical capital raise for Main Street Exchange? Yep. At least in the early going before you take over the whole world and everybody uh, uses yeah, 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 yeah. everybody else. Now, Deutsche Bank will be using it, UBS and everybody else. <laughs> for now. Um, I would say on average, the deals that have been listed on, and I'll, there's one massive exception, um, which I'll tell you about that in a second. But on average, the deals are somewhere around one and a half to two million dollars. Um, we have had people raise one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the system, and we have someone raising seven hundred million dollars on the system, um, which I think just shows you that really. The same law applies to every single kind of these deals, and and the fact that the person who's paying a hundred, who's raising one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and the person who's raising seven hundred million dollars have to comply with the same laws shows you there's no mystery here, right? There, it shouldn't be so much more expensive to do one than the other, and so we're by automating that process, it applies equally to everyone. 
And what's the typical budget within? Obviously, it's different in a seven hundred million dollar deal than right. it is in a in a hundred fifty thousand dollar deal. But what's the sort of total budget in a typical you know uh, raise that you guys would be involved with? So if someone did it the traditional way, you're raising $2 million, you should expect to spend somewhere between thirty dollars and $40,000, depending on which lawyers you're using, right? Smaller lawyers will be on the lower, smaller lawyers being smaller law firms, right, will be on the smaller side, um, and then bigger law firms will be on the higher side, sometimes going even above that. I've seen that bill go as high as eighty-five dollars to $90,000, depending on how messed up someone's organization was before they got to that fundraise. Um, when someone comes in and uses Main Street Exchange, what we're finding is that that legal bill itself gets cut down to something like $10,000 um, because maybe there's some additional documents that need to be fixed and cleaned and things like that. Um, but for the most part, it's just drafting of those legal documents. And then a Main Street Exchange fee there is about six thousand uh, dollars for a two million dollar raise that gets deferred um, until the end or you could pay it up front at a discount your choice uh 20 percent discount if you pay it up front but it gets deferred until you close um or nine months whatever happens earlier uh so you are on a typical raise in that situation saving about fourteen thousand dollars wow that's josh i think we're losing you a bit can you hear us okay i can hear you yeah we lost whatever you just said a minute ago. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. I think it was something like, wow, that's amazing, Carlos. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. considerable. I said that's a significant amount. Uh, on, on a range of 150000 for sure. Yep, exactly. Uh, and I think one of the fun things, too, is that, you know, we don't it, – it's not that you raise your money and you're done with us. We help you keep talking to your investors. We have record – um, keeping and report automation so that you can keep your investors up to date over time. Um, and by the way, the next time you go out and raise, you're already on the system. Uh, your investors are used to the system. That next raise is even easier. Um, so it's a lot of fun that we get to see companies throughout that whole process. And, and what are investors sort of saying? I know you and I, Carlos, have, have talked about this. Um, and uh, But, you know, I think that's a really important thing because I'll just say, and I talk to audiences about this all the time, Right. Uh, which is because, you know, obviously having been on the banking side and helping people as an investment banker and helping people on the security side as a as securities law side, uh, you know, we all have to answer all these different questions and be a guide without just wearing one hat. But always the key thing is you got to make it easy for your investors. Right. Absolutely. And especially institutionals. Right. Guys that write big checks are usually pretty good at it and have process. So what are they saying? What are those guys saying about Main Street Um What they're saying is, I could have used you three years ago. I could have used you two years ago. I could have used you yesterday. Um, for investors, they're really loving the process because it allows them in many ways to do apples to apples comparisons, first of all, among different deals that they're potentially targeting. Um, and also what it really does is it allows them to get a quick and easy view of a company. So when we've had investors go in, they've looked at it. And I think I said this in our last episode, we did our own raise through this. Um, and the investors came in and they said, I've never had such an easy process. Either I didn't have to send a diligence list because everything was already there for me to see, or I only had one or two questions. And by the way, all my records are there so I can invite my accountant in and I don't have to bother anyone. And you can keep updating me and I don't have to bother you so I can have a real relationship with the company, not any sort of animosity. So investors are really happy with the system so far in terms of what we've seen, so much so that a lot of our uh, original customers have been 
investors who made an investment in another company saw how wonderful that process was and then loaded their own companies on because they said, I want to be able to keep going and have my investors have this same experience. Well, um, I think that that's something that maybe people who have been through the process are really going to recognize how valuable that is. And, and for people who haven't, um, <laughs> they should probably talk to somebody who has so they can, <laughs> so they can get a feeling for the pain. Um, you know, shifting gears a bit for, for a minute, and we're going to come back to this stuff. Um, some of the standard questions we'd like to ask all our guests, um, I, I think the first one would be books. You know, Josh and I are both audiobook nerds. Um, are there any audiobooks or books in general that you think innovators or entrepreneurs should be reading today? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't speak to audiobooks because I, I'll be honest, I'm a little old fogey when it comes to my books. I like to, I like to read my books. Um, I think the hard thing about hard things, uh, it's building a business oh. no easy answers by Ben Horowitz. So I think, good, right? I mean, like, honestly, you could just read that one. Um, and I think that that will be helpful. Um, I, I also, you know, we have, we got a lot of help out of, uh, the lean startup by Eric Reese. Um, and I think that for us, that was just a way for uh, when we started main street exchange to be able to look and say, there's lots of ways where we could really trim the fat or we can make ourselves more agile, more nimble, more flexible. Um, and a book like that helps put those ideas in your head. Those are sort of my two go-tos that I would think. Okay, can I just profess my undying love for Ben Horowitz's book? I, I literally <laughs> was just listening to it again on Saturday. I, awesome. Like, it does like bring up slight PTSD from all my business failures <laughs> as he's like talking about potentially bankrupting multi-billion-dollar companies, right? Yeah, and it's like yeah. it's a slightly traumatic experience to like just hear him going through it. But yeah. um, I, I so so clear fluff, you know, like. Um, I, I do probably an audio book or two a week and, and wow. have for almost a decade. So I, I get through quite a number of them that way. And his just stands out so far and above in this like non-fluff, non-sales pitch. Here's just the guts of it, you know, like and, yeah. speaking I, I from a place of experience. You sit there and you read it and it hits you. You're right. It hits you in the solar plexus of like, oh, that's exactly right. This sucks. <laughs> um, but I think that that's the best kind of advice that you can get. I think that seeing that there's two things that I got out of that book. One is I'm not the only person going through this. And the other is, all right, there's no easy answer. So how are you going to move forward from here? Um, and I, th I found that really useful. And so I think that that's really helpful to people in general. Well, it's just so practical. You know, when he talks about rationalizing stealing an employee from your friend's company and yep. how this is going to end your friendship and like quit, quit trying to fool yourself. Yeah. Like, uh, I love how he talks about sales and training. Like, you know, I think, I think so many people, once we get in a position of power within an organization, we want to, we want to get out of the sales side of things or like the, the training business, you know, he, he makes this case that's like, um, he, he's quoting Andy Grove from Intel talking about like what a huge leverage point on an organization doing the training yourself is and like how much that signals to everybody, like the level of extreme competency we want to see on this team. Yep. And, uh, it's like, uh, it's not like this theoretical possibility. It's speaking from experience, which I think carries so much water, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that gosh, there's so much in there, right? First, like the training is the highest level, the highest leverage activity a manager can do straight up. Andy Grove 
Um, that's what he said. Andy Grove was the one who taught him that, right? Um, but then I think that, you know, for me, one of the things he says is you have to ask, what are we not doing? Um, and I think that that experience too, that every startup goes through this and says, we're amazing. We're changing the world. This is what's, what's so incredible about us. And then if you step back and you take it from the other side, but what are we not doing? Um, I think that that's where you can really then take your startup uh, and and take it to that next level. What is that un, unmet need? Um, and are we hitting it now? And if we aren't, how can we change a little bit so that we are? Um, that was critical for us. Um, and that's one of the main things I think that brought us to having where Main Street Exchange is today um, is focused on what else could there be that we don't do yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's like the exponential, exponential organization. organization. Hey, hey, Josh. Oh, big <laughs> double call. <laughs> hey Josh, I think you're gonna have to edit that. We got some crazy echo. Can you hear that echo? Yeah, I hear it. Josh, will you keep talking? We'll edit this part out. Okay. Is that any better? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was huh. like it was like a kid's like amphitheater toy sounding. You're like God, God speaking about this book. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, is there something you're not telling now us? Now we will talk about the bridge between. The hard thing about hard things and exponential organizations. <laughs> no, but I think that's part of it too, right? Is the balance of the things like how do we experiment? How do we embrace the advantages of being nimble and small and know what we're not doing? Try what we're not doing so we don't become this big echo chamber, but, you know, also still do the things we're supposed to be doing, right? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you know, if we could, you know, sort of because I know that Jess and I, and obviously I can see now, uh, you, Carlos, could probably uh, do book reports all day long. But uh, we'll invite you back for another show on that, Jess's book report show. Um, but the other question I want to ask is a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about this ourselves, you know, independently. Can you tell us a little bit about how you kind of got to where you are, you know, from the time at Harvard sort of, you know, taking a job at a gym so that you could, you could feed yourself and work out, uh, not just your thunder, but things like that all the way right. through to where you are today. Yep. Um, yeah, this is the, the autobiography portion where bring out your Kleenex, right? Um, so the, you know, I grew up in, in North Carolina and in Miami, Florida. Uh, my parents are Cuban immigrants. Um, so I'm the youngest of four sons. Uh, and with, as with most first generation Americans, there was a lot of, uh, focus on path and success for me in life. Um, so worked really hard. Uh, I was a swimmer and diver, went to Harvard, uh, where I was on the swimming diving team, history and literature major, um, thought about, there were two paths in my world. You could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer. So if you think I'm kidding, I have three brothers, uh, two are lawyers and one is a doctor. Um, so you can really see how that path was, was forged for us. Um, went to the university of Virginia law school where, as you just noted, Josh, I had no money, uh, became a spinning instructor on the side so that I could eat. And I like to work out, um, and ended up ultimately getting a job at big, you know, plum law firm in New York at Cleary Gottlieb in New York. Um, and then ultimately switched over to Gibson Dunn in New York, where this was really where I cut my teeth in the world of business, in the world of law, in the world of getting to see what all these amazing people have done with their jobs, with their lives, um, and with their business, with the world, the way that it was growing. Um, really learned a lot about securities law, learned a lot about business and general finance. Um, four years ago in 2012, um, 
made the jump to move out to Boulder, Colorado uh, for lots of reasons. I have three kids. My wife and I really wanted uh, this outdoor life um, as well as a place that was this hotbed of entrepreneurship, uh, which is what Boulder is, Um, and became a partner at a law firm out here, uh, really focused on helping entrepreneurs and startups um, both form businesses as well as finance businesses and then ultimately sell businesses or exit in another way. Um, that bug, that, that entrepreneurship bug has always been embedded in me, you know, trying to make things, I I can follow a path, but I like to veer off on little side paths. Um, so two years ago, actually today is the second anniversary of, uh, my wife and I opened a spinning studio, a cycling studio, um, out here in Colorado, um, because it didn't exist and it should, um, we've always had this passion for it. I've been doing it ever since I fed myself in grad school this way. Um, and just had a lot of fun of bringing something new to the community here, uh, which wasn't here before. Um, that experience really helped me, I think, be a better lawyer for startups and entrepreneurs, um, as I really lived the pain, you know, your lawyer, they can get you to a certain place, but they don't understand what that day-to-day is of running your company. Um, lawyers run their own companies. They are entrepreneurs in their own way because they're always trying to find new customers. They're always trying to build their business. Um, but it's different. Uh, and I think that going through that process really, for me, opened my eyes to there are so many things that entrepreneurs face in the world that they have no idea and there's no one really there to help them. And lawyers can help them to a certain extent and other people can help them to a certain extent. But at the end of the day, the only people that really understand it is other entrepreneurs. Um, That's how I met my co-founder, Brendan, who is this great guy who himself has been an entrepreneur in the past. Uh, We were introduced by a mutual friend and he came to me and said, you know, I just sold this business and um, we had so many problems. And I'd love to figure out a way that we can help people. And I think that securities is the way we can we can figure out a way to do this. Um, and I said, that's funny. I've been talking to um, I've been working, you know, panels at Denver Startup Week, Boulder Startup Week, Fort Collins Startup Week. It's a real startup culture out here in Colorado um, and talking to people about what are they suffering through? What are the pains they feel? Um, and so for me, it was I can stay on this path of being a partner at a law firm, of living a really comfortable life, of making more than enough money, of doing all these things, or I can jump feet first and say, you know what, I see a need in the world and I honestly think that I'm the person who was put here to to, to try to fill that need. Um, there's no ego involved in that. I'm not the only person in the world who could do this, but I, I, I do feel as though I'm compelled on a daily basis to get up and do this thing that I'm doing. Um, and I wasn't sure, you know, how was my family going to react to this? And I think that the the phone call that really turned it for me was I was talking to my dad um, of saying, you know, I have this opportunity and I'm, I'm thinking of leaving the law firm and, you know, what should I do? And just sort of waited for, are you crazy? You know, you remember how hard it was for your family, all of those things. And my dad stopped for a second and he said, you know, Stuff like this happens once in a lifetime. And, and honestly, if you don't stand up from your desk right now and walk out, I'm going to have no idea what the hell I did wrong with you. Um, and I knew right then, like, this is it. This is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I didn't necessarily stand up right then, but maybe a couple of days later, um, went in, told my partners I was leaving my law firm and jumped two feet in uh, to Main Street Exchange. And that's, that's, that's my world right now. That's what I live every day. Well, I'm interested to to know too. Um, I know we're going to talk about some charity stuff in a second here, but um, thinking about you know, 
I don't know, analogies between biking and spinning, you know, spinning for entrepreneurship as I feel like entrepreneurship more than a sprint is an endurance sport. Do you do you feel that way at all? Um, I think it's a sprint endurance <laughs> or an endurance sprint. How's that? Um, I mean, I think I think that there's there's never a moment in entrepreneurship where you're done um, ever. You know, every goal is just the opening of a door to another goal. Um, every milestone is simply that it's it's a marker of the path along the way. And so, you know, we are constantly, constantly running at full speed toward that next goal, toward that next piece, toward that next wall. Um, and then we get there and we have to jump it, climb it, do whatever we can, you know, as a team and as individuals to get to the other side of it. And then we run to the next one. So, um, if you've ever, you've never been to my spin class, but you can only imagine that it's really, really hard because that's how I live my life of making it all as tough as possible, I think. Uh, but what I tell people is, you know what, in a spin class, you only have 45 minutes um, and you can push yourself beyond belief because there's nothing left at the end. You know, you get out of that class and you are wrung out and you are just sweating and dying. Um, and then you come back and you do it all over again. And that's what entrepreneurship is. It's going in every day and pushing to the limit everything, whether it's emotionally, sometimes honestly, whether even physically, whatever it is that you have to do to achieve the greatness that you're trying to achieve. And then you wake up the next day and you do it all over again. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> that's so encouraging that sounding that way. Man, that does, <laughs> doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> and honestly, I love it. <laughs> um, hey, listen, uh, we always like to ask guests, uh, about advice for our charity child rescue. Um, you know, like one of the things we're doing right now is we're trying to get our friends to sign up for this thing where they go to cares.savvy, which is S A V V I dot com slash rescue. And it's this program where they change their cell phone plan and they, they sign up. It's basically like a Costco membership and they pay 15 bucks a month for the membership, but they end up like saving 20 or $30 on their cell phone bill. So uh -huh. it puts them money ahead, but it gives us five bucks a month to go out and try and stop these predators who are harming kids. So right. from an entrepreneurial perspective, if you were us, what kind, or you're our lawyer or whatever, what kind of advice would you have for us to try and get the word out of trying to get more people involved in, in saving kids from child trafficking? Yeah. I mean, I, I love what you're doing. I'm actually on the board of a charity that focuses on uh, homelessness and children here in Colorado. Um, and so this is something I face and live every day of trying to, to do this. What do, what are some of the things that we do? Um, Honestly, what you guys should make sure you're doing is going to smile.amazon.com uh, and tell everyone who supports you to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if you know what that is, but mm -hmm. it, it basically works the exact same way as Amazon um, from the user experience. But the charity uh, gets a portion of every single purchase. Um, and so it's this really great, easy, no effort way for you to raise money um, and to, to be supported on what you do. Um, and how do we do that? We, we do a lot of, um, partnership, uh, things. So the spinning studio, we run a lot of, uh, spinning classes that we are trying to raise money for our charity, um, to bring awareness to the issue as well as to raise money. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I tell people is if you have a passion for anything, whether it's a charity or whether it's your business, you never stop talking about it. You are proselytizer, right? You are deep in the heart of wherever it is pushing 
your idea, pushing your thought, pushing your your charity because you never know. Some people are going to say, all right, great, thanks, you know, Jess, we're talking about this again. And some people are going to say, oh, my God, either I've lived that, I've seen that, or that just resonates with me. And those unexpected moments are going to be your biggest successes. Love it. Well, um, Josh, I know we've got a few minutes, another couple of minutes here. What what do you feel like is, is a good closing question here for Carlos? Uh, I think capping it off. I mean, let's, Carlos, just if you could quickly just cap it off for us with sort of, again, let's reiterate what MSC Mainstream Exchange is doing, why you're doing it, who it's for, and where they can get get a hold of you and learn more. Absolutely. Um, I think that for, you know, I spent my life and my career, which was longer than I like to admit um, to this point, helping companies um, raise money, helping companies sell themselves, helping companies at every stage. Um, but frankly, not everyone could afford to pay, I won't say how many hundreds of dollars, but many, many hundreds of dollars an hour um, for that help. And so I really liked that piece. I liked the micro one-off help. But what I love about what we're doing at Main Street Exchange is, you know what? Everyone should have access to that knowledge. Everyone should have access to those processes. Everyone should have the ability to go out and make their amazing idea a success. It shouldn't be limited only to people with either the right connections or the right amount of capital ahead of time so that they can pay lawyers to do all this for them. Um, so, you know, when we design this company and what we've been doing, we again are focused really on what do entrepreneurs and startups need at every stage of financing themselves and getting the right amount of capital to make their dreams come true. And how can we take that process? And so if you want to know how to talk to investors, if you want to understand what diligence is and how to run the easiest diligence process ever, if you want to be able to to negotiate and execute documents in one place, if you want to be able to keep track of all your records perfectly, and if you want to do all that and know that you're in compliance with the law, Main Street Exchange is the right place for you. Um, and you are exactly the person that we want to help. So MainStreetExchange.com, www.MainStreetExchange.com, uh, spelled out the way that it sounds. Um, we've been invite only to this point. October 17th uh, is the day that anyone can use Main Street Exchange. Um, we've been working with a lot of companies, um, and now we want to make sure that we can work with as many as want to. So go there, find us. You can learn more about us um, at MainStreetExchange.com. And we're excited to make business easy. We're excited to make finance easy and to make people's dreams really come true. Awesome. <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, I think uh, you might have said something like that before just once. <laughs> just once or maybe maybe twice he's told somebody. I don't know what you're talking about. I, yeah. I love having CEOs on the show because they know what to say. We don't get a lot of ums. So, <laughs> hey, listen, really appreciate all the time that, that you've spent with us um, and the insights. And uh, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate it. This is I love what you guys are doing. So happy to be part of it. And that's the show. Thanks for listening today. Again, if you're interested in the bonus materials that we will be producing, make sure to come to our website and join the Ideation Collective while it's still free. The website, iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. And as always, if you want to learn more about getting involved in helping the team rescue kids from traffickers, please visit iCollective.co slash child rescue.
Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.